Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. We're getting to the end of our Oscar coverage, and today we're talking about makeup and hairstyling. Once again, my guests are returning from last year. Angela Nagaro, you're a makeup artist with more than 30 years in the business. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Avon Dapati Kupka, you're a hairstylist with more than 30 years of movie experience as well. Also great to see you. Thanks. Good. Good to see you. Now, before we break down the nominees, let's take a minute to talk about the awards themselves. Last year, we talked about the need to separate hair and makeup into separate categories. That hasn't happened. No, it has not still. <laughs> so it's a conversation we still need to have. Has there been any progress on that front over the year? I, there have been changes in the awards this year. In other like sound, they merged into a single category, which we had all, which I had talked about with those folks last year and makes a lot of sense. So there's room for change, but this issue doesn't seem to be getting a lot of traction. Nope, it still has not. And somebody said, well, there's more hairdressers. And I go, yeah, but nothing happened. They may have conversations. I'm not over there in the academy meetings, but... Uh, Nothing has happened, nor has it been brought to the front, nor has any voting or anything happened pertaining to making a category for the hairdressers, hairstylists in our local, in, in the business. And for folks who are not aware, it's generally the makeup artists that are nominated as the lead and they say who to bring along as their team. It's not recognized always that there's even a hair person in the group at all. Is that right. an accurate summary? That is right. It is all at the behest of the makeup artist to decide uh, still who comes and who goes um, to the party. <laughs> Yvonne, have they ever launched like a full-on campaign, like a, a full petition to have something changed? I mean, it seems to be that right now in the court of public opinion, if we, if we actually made something move forward, you know, in, in terms of a petition, he who screams the loudest is going to get some attention. And because I'm working right now, I, I've been, I've gone to the local with four top hairstylists. And this was over 18 years ago to a union meeting to get our union members behind the hairstylists to go as a group. Because, you know, when you have a larger amount of people, you get more traction than just four or five people. So I went to the union with Candy Walken, with Josie Normand, with uh, Norma Lee, and one other person right now, I can't remember, but we went to the local to present this to them. And the, the response blew my mind. First of all, they were like, well, we don't want to give up. And, you know, and it was from makeup artists, not necessarily you, of course, because you're behind all of this. But there were many makeup artists that just felt that they should still be in charge because they're holding on to rules and regulations in a constitution that was created in 1939 by all men makeup artists. And we are now at 2021. We got diversity. We got all this stuff going on and we're still sitting in this thing. And also the other part of that puzzle, which is another major part that we addressed at the local was parody. And that I won't do a show if makeup is making $5 more an hour than me. So I always have favored nations. If they don't want to do that, then I won't do it because it's just not right. Because we are a team 
and Angela, Angela, you know that we're a team. We work together. If you do, again, the same story. If you do a beautiful makeup, a period makeup, and I come in and do a shitty 2009 hairdo, it's not going to work. So the costume and the makeup are for nothing because the hair is not uh, finishing off the picture. This is this is one of the situ. This is one of the perfect examples of the hashtag Me Too hypocrisy. Yeah, because all of the hairdressers historically were women. And so, and all of the makeup artists were men in our union, Robert, in case you don't know this. And so the makeup artists make more money and they have never brought us up to even. Yeah. So and it's still a thing. Says, Why should we give up what we earned? No, you didn't earn it. It's just automatic because they set it up in the contract that each year the money goes up a percentage and theirs just keeps going like this. And we're just still down here trying to get there, which is why favored nations, I will not do a show. Right. They want to pay and, me less. And most smart producers know that they can't get away with that anymore. And so they know that if they want anybody in the hair department worth their salt, right. they, have to, they have to pay them. The yeah. amount of money. But there are many that still do that. But and it's it just, it hurts. needs... It needs to be on the books. We need yeah. to have parity at this point on the books, yeah. not just by not just by somebody who's morally, uh, you know, doing the right thing. We need to have it so it's mandated that this is the right thing. Uh huh. So these are one of our complaints still. Still. <laughs> so it's pretty clear that the Academy Awards having this single category and the way that folks are nominated for it is uh, a remnant of this. Um, biased behavior in the industry overall. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Still. Well, fingers crossed. We'll uh, keep advocating, keep bringing it up year to year. And hopefully one of these times we'll get to have you both on for two episodes rather than just the single one. <laughs> for, and I for, think I'm going to, after we finish our shows, I'll call you and we should plan something to start uh, communicating about this a, a little bit bigger. We're big mouths, you and I, so we could organize this. <laughs> this is true. I look forward to hearing more about it, ladies. For now then, let's turn our attention to the nominees for 2020. We'll discuss them in alphabetical order, and this is a spoiler warning for listeners. First up, Emma, Maurice Langan, Laura Allen, and Claudia Stoltz. What do you guys think of Emma? Um, first of all, I like the hair on Emma. I thought there was a lot of fun things, but it ain't no Bridgerton, but that's okay. I just don't... Uh, I'm not sure why it's in there other than that it's a period piece and they like to recognize period pieces. I really don't understand why Emma's in the mix of all of it because there were other projects that could have gone in there, you know. Uh, and there's another movie completely left out that I watched, Charlie Kaufman, which was such a study in characters and it was remarkable to me and it was so subtle, but because the Academy likes to recognize grand period things, some of the subtler things don't get nominated either. And the, there's subtlety in some of the work that takes a lot of work to get. And it, it goes unnoticed because it seems like it, they just brushed their hair or they just, you know, you know, put some pay a lipstick or whatever, but there's more work to everything than it's, in a period piece, there's still work in simple pieces, so. And I felt like Emma, there was, I have nothing to comment on because in terms of makeup, there was basically nothing. 
So I watched the entire movie besides one small bloody nose. Um, there's nothing going on really in terms of makeup that either that either made a character or took away from a character. Because even if it's not per se, you know, we're not talking Kardashian makeup, we're still talking about creating a character. And in terms of even that, there was nothing. Yeah, I agree. That, that's where my head scratching came in yesterday. I was like, oh, okay. Because if it's not solid 100% in one department, it has to hit a couple of notes in the other department. Well, this is an interesting choice then. Like uh, there is, I think, as we've noticed across categories, a bias towards what people see. And it is a surprisingly enjoyable film. Do you think people watch it, enjoy it, and then throw it into this category? I would say that for the if it was the Emmys, because I know that a lot of people vote blindly in, when it comes to the Emmys. Oh, yeah. Um, but there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a voting committee with the academies. So I'm, I'm, and I have friends who won it that I'm actually at some point going to ask. I'm curious about some of the nominations and what was the process. You, you know, you know people in there too. I mean, I'm, I, I am curious to see how, what made the grade and what didn't. I'm a little baffled. Yep. Uh, the best part, I mean, it was a cute movie. I mean, it's, it can't not be because it's all about all that silly English love stuff and everything. But uh, the best part of it was basically costumes. Makeup and hair was just, it, it was just regular. It wasn't even uh, fantabulous. There was no. one character I think that they did a lot to, the homeliest girl that uh, was always walking around like that. Her hair was, you know, the most done. And some of it looked contemporary even, which is interesting to me when that happens in a period piece. The blonde girl who's Emma for one. <laughs> I'm like, okay, she looks like she just put on a fabulous dress. And so anyway, yeah. Well, the next film on our list, I think the hair and makeup effort is more noticeable. That would be Hillbilly Elegy. Uh, Aaron Kruger McCash, Matthew Mungle, and Patricia Dehaney. So right there, you're talking about three seasoned, incredibly talented, good old pros. Yeah. Who know their stuff, who can build a character that you don't sit there and look and think, oh my God, this is so made up. Because I watched that movie yesterday. I did all this for you, Robin. I watched everything yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Sat on my couch for hours. It's um, like in school. <laughs> right. But um, cramming, cramming. But, and, but didn't lose a minute of the storytelling saying, oh my God, this is out of character. I thought Glenn Close was amazing. I knew what I was looking for because I knew what was on there. You know, we, we were also privy enough to get some of the conversations of what they've done. So we know what to look for. And, no, it was and really, it. It was beautiful. It's really clean characters. It's, yeah. you know, you're not looking at anything. It takes you, it, it facilitates what I always like to say is it facilitates the storytelling. Story yeah. Because so, don't get lost looking at the, you know, whatever. Oh my God, they did that or whatever. It, it is beautiful and it's very well done. Very, very well done. And like you said, they're all three seasoned pros who know their stuff and go in and create a character and go right to it. Um, Glenn was um, still, you could still see Glenn in there, but it was really, really incredible that basically in the story she got lost and she was Meemaw. But she yeah. was Meemaw, which was great. And the other part of it was, I have to, when I'm watching some of these films, because it was so depressing. I mean, 
it's so depressing. That's a story that's still going on. Um, even in Pacoima, you don't have to go to the South. You know, this story is going on, these family stories and to watch them and even Amy, I mean, her character, what they did with her was really kind of amazing. Her, her little kind of the way she traveled through her illness and her, you know, dysfunction and everything was pretty brilliant. And that's character building with makeup and hair team. It's not just acting, it's not just costumes. That was part of the, the character play. So I thought it was pretty amazing. I have to say, you know, and this is gonna sound strange, but I'm always, every time I see a film that she's in that she actually has to act because she did a lot of those children fantasy, you know, princessy things at the beginning of her career, I'm always astonished that she can act. It's, oh, it always sort of takes me back to say, oh, right, Amy, you know? A really good actor. She actually can deliver. Yeah, she delivers every time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was an interesting one. Glenn Close and Amy Adams are getting a lot of attention for their arcs through the story. Is there anything about the hair and makeup in general, given there is a lot of period element to it because it's over 30 years or whatever with the... Uh, and different age actors and, and working through. What Any thoughts about what they must have had to do overall? Well, it's pretty seamless what they did because I, that's, they didn't notice anything. It just right. kind of, you just went along on the ride uh, because it you, was so well done. You watch them age without ever blinking an eye in their aging process and you go back and forth. You, you know, the character in itself of, of Glenn Close with the nose and the ears and everything else that they did, you know, created a character to begin with. And you watched her age seamlessly and you didn't blat it, bat an eye and say, oh, that's not the minute that you're taken out of a story and something catches your attention that you go, oh, that's not 30 years from now. Or she doesn't look older or she doesn't look, you know, or it's wrong is the minute you lose, we, we lose what we've attempted to do. And I think that the whole thing was seamless. Yeah, well, I feel the same way. Well, high marks for Hillbilly Elegy. Let's move on to the third film on our list, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Nominated team is Sergio Lopez Rivera, Mia Neal, and Jamika Wilson. I have mixed feelings about it because um, some of the work is great. It's not huge stretches for me on this movie at all, as far as makeup and hair. Viola Davis is okay, but I, I wasn't infatuated uh, from my perspective as a hairstylist, you know, or how I look at things makeup wise, because let's face it, I do look at that stuff when I'm watching a movie. And if it um, does, it tells a story. The performances were amazing. All of them. Uh, Viola Davis, who I've worked with, uh, uh, I love, she's a brilliant actress. And so she could sell, you know, spam really, uh, if she wanted to. But as far as makeup and hair, it didn't like do, uh, it didn't move me beyond, I don't know. It just didn't move me as much as I thought it was going to. The story was, you know, and again, here's another sad story that you sit through and watch. And it wasn't, in my opinion, um, as much as I thought it could be. It's a great character portrayal. It's nothing out of the box. And that's, I mean, you know, the work is beautiful. It's not Academy Award work to me. Well, do you think this is a case where the Viola Davis transformation into Ma Rainey, again, maybe it's not the hair and makeup stretch that people assume it is, but that change, her playing that character, 
again, there's a category where people put it much as they default to period pieces. They're like, oh, creating Ma Rainey, that's got to be a hair makeup heavy lift. And so they want to recognize it here. I don't think so. Well, let's look at the next film on our list. Mank. Nominated team is Gigi Williams, Kimberly Spiteri, and Colleen LaBaff. I thought it was beautifully executed. I thought that the makeups were beautiful. I thought the hair was beautiful. I thought that it came together. Uh, you know, my husband loved this film and I could barely get through it. That, that's just me. And it's not because the work wasn't fantastic and, you know, awfully dark, in my opinion. The whole movie was dark. It was hard to see things. So, and that's not putting down the DP because part of it was incredibly beautiful and some of it was great. But for me, I had a hard time watching the whole movie and I had to go back to it a couple of times. And I know people that adore it. My husband loved it. And I'm like, I, you know, which again brings us back to, I think I talked about this last year. It's like critics, you know, we've had critics for years and sometimes I agree with them and sometimes I'm totally polar opposite. So my husband loved this film. I talked to people, they go, oh my God, it was so brilliant. And for me, there were parts where I was like, I, I couldn't, I didn't. And yes, there was a lot of beautiful stuff. I thought the makeup was um, pretty great, which is hard to do because in black and white, it's a whole different game. There was some of the hair I loved and some just, uh, it, you know, it didn't do it for me. It looked like a wig and that was me. So, um, but as a hairstylist, I look at those things and I do look at the makeup and I do look at the wardrobe. It was a really beautiful film. But again, I wonder sometimes um, what I notice in the Academy Ward season is he who puts the most money into promotion gets their films out there because there are other films that were happened and they're, they get lost, they're, they disappear instead of having a machine behind them that pushes it forward. You know, this is, a, I mean, they started before the movie was out promoting Mank. This is gonna be Fincher's biggest whatever. And okay, so then by the time you see the movie, it's like social media. They tell you, tell you, tell you. And then you see the movie and you go, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. But uh, from an artistic point of view, when I watch it, it, it wasn't that for me. But, you know, uh, but then some people may say, well, she doesn't know anything. She's just a hairdresser. So, you know, uh, but that is how I felt about Meg. And I, I have a hard time just going, yeah, it's the great, one of the greatest movies of all time. No, it was definitely wasn't that. Yeah. No, I think it was, it was, it was a good retelling of a story, but I don't think it was an amazing story. You know, <laughs> it's not an amazing movie. It's more like a, it's a bit more like a, I don't want to say a documentary, but it didn't, it wasn't an amazing movie to me. Yeah. Again, I thought the work was nice. Yeah. There's, there's just so many other things that I really, when the, the nominations came out, I really scratched my head with a lot of them going, I'm not quite sure what. What's going on? What, what, what's going on? <laughs> You know. Yeah. Well, one more film on our nominated list. That's Pinocchio. Mark Coulier, Dahlia Coley, and Francesco Pegoretti. Ah, uh, amazing. And that deserves to be there. Yeah. The work that they did, and and you know, not just because it's special effects, but because it's so brilliantly done. 
and seamless that it's kind of like, oh my God, create uh, turning people into fish and all that stuff. So again, does it mean that the academy needs to like start looking at things and have a separate category for these special, special, uh, you know, all effects things? Because Pinocchio's effects, it's like, and it's all done by hand. It's not CGI because there are things that they do with CGI all the time. Um, and there needs to be some recognition for what's going on. It's like Hillbilly Elegy is seamless. Uh, Pinocchio, those makeups are like insane. They're so good. It's Billy Corso, it's Rick Baker, a crazy good. It's crazy good. It's crazy and, you know, good. We don't want to see the same people win awards every year, but if their work is that phenomenal, you kind of go, wow, uh, right. this is pretty phenomenal. They at least so, deserve to be in the category. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I think that Yvonne and I are on the same page that we think that's the movie that should walk away with this award. Whether or not that happens is left to be seen, but that's that work is truly outstanding. It's you just transformative. And, and I do agree with you. I mean, there, you know, as there needs to be another category for hair, there needs to be a separate category because anybody who just does a beautiful character makeup will never be able to compete with these effects movies. That's and they're all, no, no. But, but. Also character makeups, there's a lot that goes into it, but it doesn't look like it. Right. It doesn't present itself as a, you know, oh my God, they put noses and everything and it was so good on uh, Glenn Close. Oh my God, it's so brilliant. And then you have somebody doing just a mellow movie of characters and their character studies, but it doesn't present itself as like a phenomenal deal. And they all are, they're also Oscar worthy for that. So it's kind of, it has to go back to, uh, we're gonna circle back around to, um, what is going on in that room and how do they make their decisions and what are their rules and what is their parameters of deciding? You know, uh, I found out from somebody in the academy that uh, with hair, they look at it and say, does the hair tell a story? And I'm like, that's odd to me. Does a hair tell a story? You mean, does the whole thing become the period? I, I just don't know if it's just one thing. I think it's a whole picture that we work together on. Uh, the one I'm working on right now. And when you do character studies on, um, you know, your TV show, look how many TV shows are just discarded and they go for the uh, one trick pony and give them the Emmy. You know, last year I was nominated for two and we lost out to some a show that that is like, really? Right. I, I, I understand that happening because I think that the voting for the Emmys is really not, they, we need a committee. Yeah. Because people submitting and putting in their descriptions and doing all of this, if you don't actually go through all of it and read all the descriptions and know exactly what know. was done, you might overlook a lot of it. But with, the Academy Award, right, yeah. but with the Academy Awards, there is a committee. Yeah. And that's this why is where, this is where the problem is. There is a committee who does what we do, who should know what they're looking at. Other films for this year that didn't make this list, but deserve a shout out for hair and makeup. I mean, listen, I know that, you know, I know that uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was up and I know that Billy Corso did a bunch of character makeups. And, you know, to me, Billy Corso was like Meryl Streep. 
on their worst day, they should be nominated. Because <laughs> they still top the majority of other makeup artists that are out there. I mean, I, I don't want to see one person get every award, but to know that he that he had up some characters in a in a movie. Oh, he aged those two guys. They it was like I, I mean that's that, right. That was the year that was the year that Matthew McConaughey, what was his movie that they won for that movie? Where he and, lost 50 pounds. Right, where he lost 50 pounds and they did nothing. And Steve Prouty, who aged for bad grandpa, aged yeah, Johnny got Nuts, nothing like, every day, got nothing. And that and it was seamless. I mean, like. So I don't, I don't, it's more head scratching. We just scratch our heads. I don't know what goes on in that room. I really am, but I'm so curious. Yeah. How one thing could get nominated. Like Matthew McConaughey losing 50 pounds is not somebody walking away with an Academy Award. And also Jared Leto lost 40 pounds and uh, let his hair grow. That's not even a wig. So, you know, it's kind of like, yeah. Dude, I don't know if people. I don't know if the people voting get wrapped up in the emotion of what the film. I, I just have to believe that the people that are on the committees are smarter than that, and they actually break down what's going on. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. So <laughs> we scratch our heads a lot, Skid. <laughs> they have a discrepancy for silly comedies or something. Do you know what I'm saying? Like this is a serious film and Emma was a, you know, serious British film or Ma Rainey. It's a, you know, these are serious contenders right. and this is silliness. This is, like and I am bad grandpa. It's a silly I, movie. Right, but I understand that for best picture. Maybe we're not doing, but we're, but our category is supposed to be about what we do, not about the movie itself. It's supposed to be about the makeup and the hair that's in the movie, whatever that may be. You know what I mean? If it gets no other nod, that's fine too. But let's acknowledge what we're putting into whatever film. Yeah. yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be best makeup, best picture, best directing, you know, all in the same category. Yeah. Best makeup might be just makeup all on its own. It could be that one little strange film that, you know, that just had amazing makeup and didn't necessarily hit any other category. I, I don't understand, you know, what we do with popularity thing. It's an, that's right. And it's an important part to bring up because as I was thinking about it, it's like these silly comedies that required, you know, Bad Grandpa, the work was brilliant. Brilliant. Steve Crowley so, knocked that out of the box. You so to, did you ever see it, Skid? Did you ever see the movie? I have not okay. seen Bad Grandpa, but I've seen the ads for it. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, the makeup is brilliant. He got so robbed, Steve Crowley, for that. Seriously, the makeup was brilliant. And it's one of those once in a lifetime opportunities where you get to age somebody like that for the entire movie. And with, you know what I mean? And shine like that. It was beautiful. Some of the best and, makeups and hair movies that never got noticed. Right. And that's an interesting point too. That might be another podcast to talk about because there's a lot of them that have been like, what? And they don't even get acknowledged. Right. It's the moment. Sometimes it's the momentum of the film that everybody is running on, not necessarily breaking it down and looking at what we do and what our contribution is, you know? Oh, yeah. I wish I remembered who was on the, the top 10 list before they got cut down to the five nominees. Do you know that? Do you know who it is? Let me look. Yvonne's looking. Yvonne's <laughs> 
Because I know we walked we walked in with ten contenders, I think. Yeah. And then we went down to the nominees. And I have to you know, I have to be honest. I, I I actually feel bad for whoever wins this year, as I did last year. It's like you don't strive your entire. It's like the Olympics. Strive your entire life to get somewhere, and in the middle of a pandemic, you're getting your award on a Zoom call. I did my oh. Emmy uh, party at home with my family. No red carpet, no symposiums talking about all the work we did and how we accomplished it. It's so sad. I mean, I've been on Zoom plenty, but not to get my Emmy nomination. Finally, right. finally, it only took 30 years to get the no uh, nomination. I want to know, so Skid, so tell us, what are your opinions? Because I know that that's not what you do, but I know you've seen everything. And what did you, what did you think? What do you think about all of this? You know, I mean, as far as hair makeup, like who's yeah, because you're a layman, and so you're not you're not looking at the things that we're looking at. What took your breath away? On the hair makeup side, um, I don't catch a lot of what is going on with that, to be honest. And so talking to you guys helps enlighten me about what does catch attention and what doesn't. Um, you know, I go back and look for purposes of our discussion to see if certain details stand out, but. Um, on a lot of level, I don't know. My favorite films this year, one was uh, Sound of Metal, which is getting a lot of attention in other categories. I really appreciate. And other movies, I really liked a movie called The Outpost uh, about uh, being in Afghanistan. And uh, I'm surprised I haven't seen any love anywhere for uh, the prime movie, uh, I'm Your Woman, which I thought was a really nice period piece so. and dealt with interesting issues that hasn't gotten any attention at all. So... Not really sure what to make of uh, the nomination. Okay, on the list originally there was I think One Night in Miami, which was pretty darn good. Nomadland, Dad, or that movie Dad with Anthony Hopkins, whatever it was called. The Father. Uh, Sound of Metal, uh, Chicago Seven, Mank, Promising Young Woman, and also Judas and the Messiah. Judas and the Black Messiah. Black Messiah, yeah, was. Um, well done. But, you know, I'm surprised that didn't get there, too, uh, even though it just was a couple, basically a couple of wigs and the rest was very much character studies. I thought Riz was amazing as that guy who in uh, Sound of Metal. I thought his performance was amazing. But it's Sound of Metal yet. Yeah. I thought Chicago 7 was well done, even though there, the character studies, and this is what I've understood, Aaron Sorkin, he doesn't like to completely replicate, but he likes to intimate. So, you know, even though on our movie, Lucy and Desi do look, you know, like Lucy and Desi and um, Fred and Ethel look like them too. And yeah, Yvonne, you're working with Aaron Sorkin now on a movie. Yeah, he's lovely. And, you know, he's a master. So, you know, what happens? You got the word master, you got this going on. Uh, Chicago 7 was really well done. That was a movie that was in the top 10, but got bumped out, you know, later. You know, Promising Young Woman was well done, but that's just a contemporary thing. It's not gonna beat out Pinocchio. I can tell you that. Uh, one rainbow wig is not going to uh, beat out because the rest of it was just, it, it, you know, it would look good. I'm not saying that at all. I thought it was, no, I know. but it, it was not, you know, put it in the Oscar. I think that there are movies that we hold to an Oscar standard. Right. That we think everything is supposed to be, you know, and I don't want to necessarily say it's like a big epic, but I do think that there's 
of fantastic quality that we expect from an Oscar nomination. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot this year because I've been working since November and I've just, you know. Right. I've been working all year too, but I did pull aside to watch these because of course they gave them to us except Pinocchio. And Pinocchio, I saw many uh, different, how they achieved things um, when they created these characters. And I'm just like, you know, this is like, it's otherworldly that, so to have the, all of it, it's kind of like doing a variety show with a comedy, you know, the categories are like, I don't get it sometimes. The same thing with the Emmys. You put together a, a show where uh, one person is taking care of one person and you put it up against a team of 15 people that created 20 different looks and then the one right. person wins for the one person they took care of. It doesn't, they don't all balance out. I'm, I'm really curious to find out. I'm going to ask my friends who are in the committee for um, the academies. I really want to know if they have like a checklist. I know that they have big round tables and they discuss everything, but I really wonder if there's a checklist of what everybody is supposed to be looking at and looking for as they start to decide. You know what I mean? Whether it's, you know, period accurate and blah, 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 you know, whatever their checklist might be, you know, but a criteria of which, what they're rating everything on. Because I think that that would be interesting to find out if, you know, if they're going about nominating these films with a criteria. Right. Yeah, I don't know what they're, what they're doing in that room, but I, I do know mm -hmm. that if they listen to the podcast, they'll probably think we're like everybody else. Oh, they think they know what they're talking about. But, uh, you know, we get to have these opinions about uh, films and, and working in the business and seeing what's going on. And there's a lot of mixed bags about it. And I'm sure every single guild and local has all of their own little stuff, just like makeup and hair does. I mean, last year sound was like, hey, you know, we want to have our own deal. And it's, it's, um, it's a long time coming. So okay. if you guys do hear anything from your Academy friends about how it's working, come back and talk to us about it. We'd love to hear more. Always yeah. pleasure talking to both of you guys. You too, kid. Thanks for having me. Thank you. The Academy Awards ceremony is only a few days away. If you're not already subscribing, please do it. It's a great way to catch every episode. If you've got feedback, you can send email comments to skid, S-K-I-D, at blowthelineoneword.biz. That's B-I-Z. Please rate us wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us reach new listeners. And new listeners, check out our website, blowthelineoneword.biz, where there's 75 episodes available. At some point, I'm sure we've talked about something you've seen. If you're on Facebook, you can find photos and other behind-the-scenes materials at Podcast Below the Line. And finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. It's at podbullet.com. Thanks to Curtis Five for our music and John Juan for our logo. The logo is available on t-shirts, mugs, and stickers at redbubble.com. Once again, thanks for listening. Be safe out there.